Hi, this is Manton. This is the Timetable Microcast. I haven't recorded one of these in a long time. Actually, there hasn't been one this year at all because 2020 is a disaster. <laughs> There's so much else going on, but I wanted to record one because a couple of things have been happening lately with micro.blog, including work on a new sunlit. And to talk about that, I am joined with a guest, my friend, John Hayes. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, man. Thank you for having me. So we just kind of wanted to catch up a little bit. We started working on this app originally 2012, eight years ago, <laughs> and it's gone through like a couple different versions. You know, we worked on it for app.net. We worked on it to adapt it to blogs and to be honest, I wasn't exactly sure where we were going to go with it, but I feel really good about this new kind of fresh, completely rewritten version, and that's Sunlit 3.0. What do you think? How's it going? Uh, you know, I started this a uh, few months ago uh, because I was running into some problems in the old Objective-C source code, and it's been really refreshing, actually, to kind of start from scratch, pave over the mistakes, some of the mistakes that we made previously, or not even mistakes, but changes to the sort of purpose of, of Sunlit. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sad to say that we still don't have great uh, panorama support in there, which... <laughs> <laughs> which was the original idea for the app. Right. Kind of. It's uh, yeah, what I like about the new version, and like, like you're alluding to, I mean, it's completely rewritten in Swift. That normally that doesn't get me very excited because it's just code. But what I'm excited about is that we were able to throw away basically everything that was kind of holding the app back. Like it wasn't like buggy code necessarily. It was just like the wrong code for the app because it was, it was a bunch of old code that just didn't really make sense anymore. And it was just kind of like littering up the project and making things slower and harder to work on. Yeah, it was, there were quite a few external dependencies that we had come to rely on as well. Uh, that's one of the things that I know both you and I sort of view as uh, a metric for sort of quality in terms of how much we can control in the app and rewriting it in Swift really let us trim back the number of third parties that we were using. I, I, I need to go back and look to see how many we had before, but um, we're down to actually only three in this new rewrite outside of uh, the normal uh, snippets uh, code that we use already. So yeah, no, it's it's just feels much more lightweight the whole app. So like, and there's more we can work on with performance, but I feel like it launches faster. Composing like a new post is way faster than before. The like the old version when you added a photo, it did a whole bunch of work behind the scenes that was kind of left over from the old architecture. And now I just feel like it's f much faster. And if, if there's any part that's not fast enough, we can make it faster because there's not a bunch of stuff that's just kind of weighing the app down. Yeah, I've, I've often told engineers that are sort of starting out, you know, on their first projects and whatnot, that they'll throw away more code than they'll write over the course of their career. And I really feel like that's... Uh, exemplified in, in Sunlit, especially this yep. time around. And it feels nice. I mean, the engineer's dream is sort of, you know, write it once, throw it away, write it again, throw it away. And, you know, by the time, third time, third or fourth time you've written it, you're sort of start to be happy with what you have. So, yeah, I haven't looked at like lines of code, but I assume that this the project, the new version must be a fraction of the size, like a, th a quarter of the size or something. I don't know. It just must be 
a lot smaller just because it doesn't have all that old stuff that was just kind of lying around. And the other part of this is that we are open sourcing the app. And this, I think this will be, I mean, this, we've open sourced a couple things here and there, like the snippets library you mentioned that's written in Swift. And I've open sourced like some web things like new themes for micro.blog and that sort of stuff. Cause other people can jump in and help contribute, but we've never open sourced like a project this big. And I'm really curious how that is going to go. I think there's a lot of potential for it because Sunlight like can post to WordPress, can post to Micropub blog. So folks in the IndieWeb community, if they have Swift experience, maybe they want to jump in and add a feature or work on something or fix a bug. I mean, so I, I feel like there's a lot of potential for the app that, I don't know, we just don't know where that's going to go. But it, I think it's going to be cool to have it open source. Yeah, I think that it's a good example for people that are sort of tinkerers and want to play around with the micro.blog API that they could, you know, go in and there's nothing, it's all, you know, by open sourcing it, everything is there for people to look at. They can see how it's done, how we, you know, the API calls, et cetera. So that's, that's pretty exciting to me, I think. Yeah, no, it'll be good. And then people could even like, I hope that people will kind of contribute back and improve Sunlit because I feel like it's just a, it's a great place to have this kind of like photo blogging, Instagram like kind of experience, but someone could just take parts of it and like make completely different app for photos or something else. I mean, there's, there's no limitations on that, which I like sometimes with open source projects, you are limited in what you can do. Can you use it in commercial apps? Can you not? And that you can do anything with this basically MIT license, just however you want to use it. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I, I think it'll be good and it'll help one of the issues that I kind of don't know how to deal with sometimes is like balancing my time between working on micro.blog and working on other apps. And you also have a whole bunch of other <laughs> responsibilities. Like you can't work on Sunlit full time. And we've been working on this a bunch lately, but it's kind of nice to know that, you know, if we don't have time to work on it all the time, that potentially other people could also help out working on the app. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So right before we decided to record this, I, I think you uploaded a beta. Is that correct? Yes. I uploaded a beta to Apple to approve because the first test flight beta they have to sign off on. And if that gets approved, I mean, who knows what will happen with that. But if it gets approved, the plan is to release the beta and the, make the source public to kind of at the same time. And it will be public beta anyone can join and I, I don't we don't really know when the app will ship for real which i don't know how you feel about that but i kind of like not having a deadline like people can tinker with it they can try the beta and then when it's ready we'll ship it yeah i i love the fact that we're going to have the open test flight beta as well as the source open basically at the same time so mm -hmm. anybody can go grab it you know, whether they're developer or not, they can get it and start using the application. And if there's something that's particularly with, you know, iOS 14, you know, we've already run into a few issues. So if somebody, you know, if it's a developer and they download it and they start playing with it, they can, you know, potentially contribute back fixes uh, or, or workarounds or even report bugs to us, you know, through GitHub. I think that's going to be pretty, pretty helpful. Yep. And, you know, you have started filing. We've both been filing issues, but you made the point to me that we should try to have everything in GitHub because then there's like one place for 
yeah, people that are testing the beta, playing around, tinkering with the code. So we'll probably track most of the Sunlit stuff in that instead of kind of on the micro.blog side. Like people can still submit feedback about Sunlit to micro.blog support, whatever. I mean, I'll still <laughs> read it and answer it, but we'll have that GitHub will be kind of the place that I think has the most activity during the beta. Yeah, I hope I just don't turn into one of those annoying people that just replies to everything. Have you filed a ticket yet? Have you filed a ticket yet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, with something like this, it it is kind of, I, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about, I don't file bugs with like Apple anymore. I don't tend to file bugs with other apps that I use. I mean, I'll fire off a quick email to a developer if I think it would be helpful. So I kind of get like people not wanting to create a formal ticket, but yeah, it'll be useful in this case. Yeah, I, I have to probably start to steal myself to not get my feelings hurt as well. Uh, we've been working on this for so long and there's so much, uh, we have so much history tied into this app. Uh, once we yep. open it up, I, I, you know, I, I have to make sure I'm not taking anything personally uh, as things get, you know, come in. Yep. And well, and also like the fact that it's open source, I think, like I keep saying, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we're excited about it. And I think one of the things that will be a little bit of a challenge is if someone decides to like add a feature that I wouldn't have done or you wouldn't have done. And like, how do we best deal with that? And because like, I want to be appreciative of people working on the app, but at the same time, like we kind of have a vision of what it should do. And it can't like it can't be everything. At least not the version that it's going to ship in the app store for you know micro.blog. It can't it can't do everything. So I don't know. I'm just kind of interested in what will happen with that and how we'll be able to kind of process those kind of requests. But anyway, we should wrap this up. This is supposed to be a short podcast, and you know, as we are talking, yeah, we have this year is I mean, it's July. We I haven't recorded one of these. I don't think since December. Everything has been thrown up in the air. But one thing that is getting back to normal is basketball. I think if, if this whole pandemic hadn't happened, I think you and I probably would have like been at a game. We probably would have seen each other last month. Oh, for sure. At WWDC or whatever. I mean, like, it's just crazy to imagine that, like, I don't, I guess I haven't seen you in a year and in person. And here we are chatting and it's just like this alternate timeline (laughs) yeah i I feel like we're living in some bizarro world the our our you know our basketball uh arena quest has been indefinitely put on hold and like you said i haven't seen you in over a year uh it's it's just my my dad likes to call uh, the pandemic a time stealer and, and it really is it really is. Yeah. I don't know that that arena quest idea, like I wish we were further along because I just have a feeling it's going to be a while until either of us feel comfortable, like next to a crowd of <laughs> 10,000 other people. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, that's a really good point. You know, I, I, I have that still on my sort of, you know, bucket list yeah. to do items, but you're right. I mean, I, I, can't currently imagine going <laughs> and sitting with a whole bunch of people in one spot. <laughs> uh, next year, I think maybe things will be quite a bit better. But uh, yeah, I just wish we had been able to check off a few more of those <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cities before everything shut down. They are. I mean, I just heard yesterday in terms of like college, like football and whatnot. I mean, they're, I mean, you know, Texas loves 
their football, but like a lot of schools I think are pushing on and will have, unless something changes fans in the stadiums, but at like a reduced, you know, capacity, but even like, even if you limit it to half the number of people, that's still so many people. Well, it's interesting too, because a lot of the research shows that being outside, like astronomically reduces the yes. transmission rate. So sports like football actually make a lot more sense uh, than, right. than say basketball. So that's, that's actually a piece that sort of makes me sort of sad is that basketball might be one of the more, you know, one of the last ones to, to resume hmm. normalcy. So yeah, they can just rip the roof off of all the <laughs> basketball arenas. That, that might work in Austin. I don't, so I don't think that's going to work as well in Portland up here. Eh, a little rain on the court. Yeah. I've never hurt anyone. Today though, uh, it, the, the scrimmages kick off. Are you, are you planning to watch one? Yes. I haven't checked the schedule today cause I know I just checked the Spurs play tomorrow. I know the Blazers play tomorrow too, but I will definitely watch one. I'm super curious how that's going to, how that's going to go. And just, just the idea of watching a basketball game, even if it's kind of weird, is going to be great. The thing that's very interesting to me. And as a fan, I actually really appreciate it is I, there's only one court. So every game, there, there can't be two games going simultaneously. There's more than one court. There's like a, I think there's like three or four, aren't there? I think there's only one main court. I think there's lots of okay. practice courts uh, because yesterday they unveiled on ESPN.com. I was I was reading one of the articles and they unveiled the the court, but I could be wrong about that. I need to double check that. But if that's true, that would be pretty exciting because that means you would never have a game conflict. Mm, no, yeah, but I think so. I, I you're probably right. That there's one main court, but there are definitely multiple courts that they're going to be using when the like the season resumes i don't know about for scrimmages but i know when the actual season resumes there will be overlapping games and i think they will all be televised so there must be enough courts to have yeah to have you know cameras and all that sort of thing because with 22 teams there's no way i don't know how many games will go on at one time, but there's no way they'd be able to do one at a time, I don't think. Well, so related to that, I have a random question. You've been to Disney World, right? Yes, I love it. Been a couple times. Where are the... I've never been to Disney World, but where are all of these courts? I have never seen the courts. I think they are... There's like a whole resort, like a sports-themed resort, and ESPN is involved in that somehow because, you know, Disney owns ESPN. And so I think that that is where the courts are. So, because like Disney World, for people who haven't been there, it's huge, first of all. Like it's really, really big. <laughs> it's not like Disneyland, it's really big. And there's like, I don't know, maybe 15 different resorts. You know, some of them are kind of close to the Magic Kingdom or Epcot or Animal Kingdom or one of the, like the theme parks. And some of them are a little further away. And you take the monorail or you take the buses or the boat or, you know, whatever, however you get around. But so one of the resorts or a couple of the resorts have huge, like basically, I mean, not stadiums, not the right word, but like buildings, you know, with courts and they, they play basketball games there already. They play, you know, they probably play volleyball and, you know, other, other types of sports, but they like, that's why it was so appealing when I first heard about that is just cause like, it's ready to go. They don't need to build like new structures or I mean, they, people can, they, the, the players can stay pretty isolated. They can be in the hotel that's like right next to where the courts are going to be. But yeah, that's the whole thing. I, I, when they announced the plan, I, I was really honestly amazed 
that such a facility even existed because I mean, it's, it's gotta be huge. I mean, there's, you know, what a thousand people there or over a thousand people there just representing the NBA, the facilities, yeah. for the food, the basketball, the activities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no idea. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, we should, uh, we should wrap it up, but I hope that, yeah, I'll be watching some games and we will be working on sunlit and yeah, this, I'm excited to get this stuff out there and I hope people like it. So thanks everyone for listening to the podcast this week. I hope to get back into recording time Bible here and there. Some will be shorter. This one's a little bit longer than usual, but thanks John for talking to me about it. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.